We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I mean, I'm just representing what's going on out here. You know what I'm saying? From, from a perspective of a young dude that's been out in these streets in L.A., you feel me? I'm just, you know, giving it to him raw and uncut. But at the same time, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not glorifying the violence that's popping out here because it ain't nothing to glorify. You know what I'm saying? I'm just really, it's like, I, I look at my music like, like a snapshot of, of my neighborhood. You feel me? L.A. right now has been experiencing a lot of black and brown stuff, you know, a little violence going on there. What would you say to that? And, and somebody in your neighborhood coming from where you at, what, what message do you give so people can maybe see a, see things in a different light? I mean, I feel like, you know, we got a common enemy, you know what I'm saying? So I don't feel we got time to be beefing, you know what I'm saying? It don't make no sense. That, that's divide and conquer, you know what I'm saying? That's what he lynch, you know what I mean? It, we got a common enemy in these capitalists that's, that's taking control of our assets and, 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 and colonizing what we're doing. As far as rap music, as far as our continent we came from, our culture and all that, like, we got a common enemy, so we ain't got time to to have issues amongst ourselves, the same as well as a black on black. Small introduction to this Nipsey Hussle music. Us winning your bitches, that's the way that we do it. First get your bride on, then get your shine on. We come through daytime with the lights on. Run and hit the fast lane, and let your chain swing. You get dollars like the doctor, but you gang bang. Yeah, it's hustle in the house. Yeah, it's hustle in the house. Before you guys listen to another episode of The Corner Podcast, make sure you guys show your support for the show by clicking on patreon.com slash thecornerpodcast and showing support for both Andreas and myself. We're trying to bring you guys exclusive content for the new year. That means exclusive shows, guest interviews, fan appreciation episodes, a little bit of everything on a weekly basis. And the way you get that is by signing up on patreon.com slash the corner podcast. There's different tiers, whether you guys want to donate $5, $10, or $15 a month, you guys get exclusive content and access to us, yes, both Andres and I, every single week. And this way we can bring you guys the stuff that you want, such as merch, live shows, and even bigger episodes of The Corner Podcast in 2019. Thank you guys for your support. Now let's get into this week's show. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. It feels good to be back from New York, back in Vegas, where it is nice and warm 
No more need for sweaters. No more need for scarves. No more need for jackets. Dre, I'm back in shorts and a tank top. Like it's the middle of August, baby. I'm back in my natural habitat. I love it. But New York was fun while we were there, man. Yeah, first of all, um, it's not warm in Vegas right now, so I don't know what's wrong with you. It's a little windy. It's warm, though. I don't know what's wrong with you, man. But yeah, (laughs) feels good to be back. WrestleMania weekend was a blast. Um, It was exhausting. There's There's a whole lot to talk about. Obviously, all the stuff that we did in New York... Uh, WrestleMania itself, uh, Nipsey ceremony today. Um, damn, there's, there's, I mean, there's so much. And then, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it, but I, I have to talk about why can't we have nice things? Because <laughs> this spreads between Nipsey and Kofi. It's like, I, I really am starting to hate Twitter. I think I say it every week, but this was a week where I was just like, in some ways it was, it was amazing. It was fantastic. In other ways, like right now what I'm dealing with, it's like, y'all just... Y'all just buy this app. To, I mean, buy the app. Y'all just use Twitter just to shit on things. Just like all y'all do. But anyway. Those people you know, find you. They gravitate I, towards your timeline. Dog, I don't get it. I don't get it. But <laughs> where do we want to start, man? Do we want to start with New York? Like, do we just want to talk about the entire trip? I know we got WrestleMania. I know we got a lot of things to talk about, including uh, UFC 236 this weekend. Lomachenko's fighting tomorrow night. It's, oh man, it's a ton. But yeah, let's start. Let's start with New York as the trip. So we'll leave WrestleMania, NXT, ROH, all that stuff for after the break later on. Let's talk about just being in NYC and you know going to Wale Mania. The atmosphere for me, I got to go home, so I went back. You know, a day early, I saw my Yankees lose. I uh, I went to the block. I saw all my peoples. They all came out, showed support, none but love. I was day drinking out on the stoop with all my friends that I grew up with. Like it, it felt like I was home. I ate from the best roti spot in the world on Burke Ave, and posted out my Instagram in case anyone wants to check that out and debate that this isn't the best West Indian food in the world. You go eat there, change your life. So it, it felt great being home, and you touched down and and. Man, the, the weekend took off because we went straight to Wale Mania. No, I actually went straight to an indie show. I went to a, a, a GCW show first. Oh, um, yeah, because you were following around. Good M- old MJF. MJF, oh, cutting promos. I guess, I guess we'll talk about MJF first, and then we'll talk about <laughs> Wale Mania. So I'm doing a piece um, that'll come out right around when Double or Nothing comes out, uh, happens on May 25th about MJF. I profiled him. So I hung out with him this week. And I followed him around uh, to about four shows. The only show I know that I wanted to go to that I missed was Joey Janelle's Spring Break. I actually just watched that. Holy shit. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> but uh, so the thing is, you know, it's about the life of an indie wrestler. But the thing about MGF is um, this man doesn't break kayfabe. He is this guy all the time. So if anybody is familiar with MGF from the indie scene, um, they've seen him. He's the douchebag heel. Right. He always talks about poor people. He's he's just and it's it's a you know, I met up with him. We did an interview. um, He stayed in character like it it gets to the point where it's just like, you know, like Ric Flair is like Ric Flair all the time. I feel like MJF is is becoming this guy. And (laughs) that's gold. It's crazy. And he's only like 23. Right. He's only been wrestling for four years. Um, So it's be this big profile. But one of the funnest things was we went to WrestleCon. 
uh, Saturday. Because Friday, I, as soon as I got off the flight, I went, dropped my bags off at my little fancy hotel, which we'll talk about. Um, took my ass to Jersey, met up with him, uh, saw Orange Cassidy wrestle, which is, if anybody's ever seen this guy, it's insane. This guy's like the coolest guy on the planet. Um, and I watched him on Saturday interact with fans that were doing fan signings. So WrestleCon is like every, all, like I saw RVD, Eric Bischoff, um, Crime Time, like anybody that you can think of, Vicky Guerreros. I saw all these people. MJF has a booth and he's signing autographs. Now, fans, when they go meet their favorite wrestler, the favorite wrestler is really not in character. They just, you know, take a picture with the fan and cool. Not MJF. He does not break <laughs> character. So he's like telling people, give me your money. He's telling people, don't touch me. He's making fun of them. He's telling them they smell bad. He's telling them they're fat. Like, and I'm watching <laughs> the fans get offended because they can't figure out what's going on. And it was, it was like the greatest thing to watch. Because I knew, because me and him were talking, that you know this is what he's going to do. Because he feels like it's very important to stay who you are as a pro wrestler. But fans, they're used to walking up to their favorite wrestler and their favorite wrestler not being who they are on TV. Not this guy. So it, it was really interesting. I watched fans get upset. I watched fans that were thinking about fighting him. It was, it was an experience. And he never cracked. He never smiled. He never. He just stayed who he was. So that you guys will get to see that. I got video too. We did a video, a video diary of him throughout the week. Um, that's what you guys will see in May before he wrestles at Double or Nothing, AEW's first big show. Um, but yeah, so I guess we could talk now about Wale Mania and. and Fuck man, what a what a thing that was. Yo, that shit was crazy, right? So we we pull up and one the line is halfway down the block. So we're trying to find the spot and we're like, yo, which theater is the Sony Theater? We don't know where it is. And we look and we just see a long line of black people. And we're like, yo, we got it. Like this this is our spot. So we walked up, uh trying to get inside. I, I hate bouncers with a passion. <laughs> just just security, bouncers, you know, people tell me I can't wear my sweats because they're not dress code, which we'll talk about, I guess, in a second. Uh, but, yeah, man, I, I just can't stand door guys. I don't know what the complex is. I don't know if you got to fit a profile to work a door somewhere. But these doors guys are just kind of trying to hassle us. Saw Emilio. He was trying to go through it the legit way, get us some, you know, the media passes to get in. And then Cash just walked up and was like, yo, come in. Whatever. We're Just keep walking. So we walk, got walked past security, went downstairs. First thing I remember that really stuck with me was like, yo, this DJ set is fucking bananas. Oh, my brother Mecca. Yes, and Mecca yes, set. When I say from, wait, he had to have started an hour before the show, before the doors even opened. Because we're in there like 30, 40 minutes before the doors open. Straight fire for like two hours, two and a half hours before the podcast touched the stage. And breaking down the samples and then into the songs. And oh man, shout out to Mac. Incredible set. And, and that guy, I was just amazed. I could have just sit there and watch him spin all night. Man, that's like, you know, I, me and Mecca from Two Dope Boys, for those who don't know, uh, we go back for at least 15 years. And he picked up DJing, uh, I want to say maybe a decade ago, maybe less than a decade ago. And his thing has been, you know, he plays to the crowd. So we started noticing, because, um, you know, I was up there talking to him, we started noticing that there was, there were heads in the crowd. It wasn't like 
you know, he's not a big wrestling guy. So he was trying to figure out what to play, but he noticed there was some heads in the crowd. So his thing has always been to find the samples to your favorite songs and, and, and mix the sample into the version of the song. I don't know how he did this for so long because he was just cleaning up. Like, <laughs> every like, song, every song. Everything. Every, so, I mean, that set the tone for the night right there. You know, it was like 90s hip hop. Um, and, it, you know, I can't talk. I, it's hard to explain how beautiful this event was to see so many black folks. And obviously there were other you know races of people there as well. But so many black folks there to support this event. Nothing, no violence happened. Nothing crazy. There was no fights. There was nothing. It no, was not just, one fight, not one disagreement. Nothing. No one, no one got loud. It was love all night long. So, and shout out to all the people who I ran into um, that have listened to the podcast. And, you know, every time I run into y'all and somebody tells me I listen to your podcast every week, it's, it's, it means a lot to me. Because, like I always say on the show, I don't know why y'all listen to shit. Y'all can go listen to anybody. And I have no idea sometimes why y'all listen to us. And the fact that we do affect your lives, myself and Kel have been doing this for a while now. And the fact that we affect your lives and we give you something to entertain you, uh, inform you or introduce you to new things and you stay with us. And when you speak, like there was some, somebody came to me. And if you're listening, please, I, I need to know who you are because I can't remember. which just like I didn't know whether to talk to you or not. And I'm very, I don't know, sometimes people say I don't look very welcoming, but I am because it, <laughs> it means a lot to me because I really don't know who listens to what we do. I don't know who reads my articles. Like people say, well, you got followers, but that doesn't mean anything to me. Person to person, when you dap me up and say, I listen to your show and I appreciate it, it's a conversation at that point. It's not, there is no hierarchy, man. Like, so. Everybody that I met, I know um, my brother Jason Frazier. Shout out to you. Shout out to um, Frazier and the, and the many beers yes, that, yes, that were flowing. I, I owe you. If you come to Vegas for Double or Nothing, I owe you. Shout out to uh, you know a lot of the other people. Stack guy Greg, the big homie. Obviously, Kaz and Emilio. Um, ran into, you know, like all, I mean, everybody that you could think of was there, man. My man Don Will, um, part of uh, Tanya Morgan. <laughs> uh, obviously, Mecca. Everybody... Alexis that, uh, on the merch. Yeah, yeah. Alexis, little, who <laughs> we kicked it the next night. Interesting. Um, she, she's a blast. And shout out to her for being so innovative with what she does. It was just special, man. And then the New Day came through and Kofi gave a speech. And it was like the weekend was completely set off. Yeah, man. And even before Kofi touched the stage, we had the five-time, 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 five-time champ Booker T. Guest of honor, man. Him, him, and the Queen had their own little spot over there with with their liquor, and uh, Ciroc was sponsoring it. And man, everyone had a great time. Leo Rush came out. Uh, can't can't go any longer. I can't believe it took me this long. Eleven minutes into the show to tell the crowd about this. Shout out and congratulations to Josiah. Oh, yes, yes. But, dude, on the podcast, Patreon episode three weeks ago, I uh, threw that interview on the normal episode, I think two weeks ago, three weeks ago. We had a great conversation, just us talking about the future, what he sees in the future, why he does it. And he's just the most humble guy. And honestly, he, he had been to one wrestling event live before the interview we had, like three weeks ago. And he was like, I don't know where this is going to take me, man. I just like doing it. He was, he was honestly doing it for the music, for the fans. Just because he was a fan. And then now he, you know, signs to WWE. He's going to be a huge part of the social media and digital outlets. Uh, he's doing the podcast, uh, 
I guess, music, music compilations for Lillian Garcia, I believe, every week. So, man, it's, it's just uber talented, and he has the passion, the drive, and like I said, the most humble dude. We saw him at Mania. Dapped yeah. us up, everything so cool. Uh, when I when I saw him in person and when I talked to him on the podcast interview, he reminded me of when I interviewed Sage Northcutt. <laughs> where I was like, yo, Josiah, you make me feel like the oldest man in the world. Because like, you're just overly polite and like the nicest guy on earth. So he, and so he's, yeah, he's like the, the Sage Northcutt of WWE now. Um, but wow. no, great, great job by Josiah and he deserves everything that he's getting plus um and that guy that guy's gonna walk someone out at Mania next year yeah I hope so man I hope so there's there's other things to talk about Wally Mania uh, Charlie Caruso uh going bar for bar on the two two fox song what was it changes I believe yeah acapella because um, they couldn't get the instrumental right so that was dope uh Kenny King uh doing uh what was it what was it just diplomatic immunity diplomatic immunity I think he did that yep um I mean, it was so many moments, man. And it's like I met a lot of these dudes. Um, Samoa this, Joe. Said, Are you going to skip over Samoa Joe uh, coming Samoa in? Joe coming out to public service announcement. Just, I mean, Samoa, <laughs> like everybody knows this dude's like my favorite wrestler. And to see him come out and just, he had the meme mug on and then, you know, allow me to reintroduce myself. And the place just went up through the roof. <laughs> I mean, guys, listen. If you go to WrestleMania next year, it's in Tampa Bay. They're going to do this again. You know, I talked to Kaz. We got a chance to hang out for some time um, after the ROH show. Went to a hookah lounge. Got kicked out. Long story. Um, <laughs> but, they, I mean, they got to do it again, man. Obviously, this is a thing now. It's necessary. Um, this obviously was the biggest one. Uh, it was a full house. There was so much to see. There was, you know, the, the live panel was great. Um, things just dissolved into a full-blown party. Obviously, Wale performing and uh everything else i there's there's not enough podcasts to talk about what happened but you just have to go if you get the opportunity you absolutely have to go to this yeah you have to be there that that was amazing so that was thursday night and then friday we linked up for nxt yep so that was dope went to brooklyn barclays center all hung out for nxt watched that and Afterwards, you know, the crowd is kind of trying to leave. And we're like, yo, we're going to let them all bombard the train. We're going to chill. Let's find a bar. First bar, closed. Second bar, closed. Found a stripper bars. They're open. First bar, I walk up. Everyone gets the pat down. Dre, ready, just thirsty, ready to get, you know, a water, a beer, or something. Dre's like, yo, I got to get in here. He walks through the door, walks through security. We have to go and snatch him out of the place. They wouldn't let me in with my sweats. <laughs> and they're not even sweats. They're joggers. Like, they, they're not sweat. They got tight ankles. Like, it, it was 40 degrees that day. So, no Dude, sweats, think, no hoodies. The crazy thing about this is it's a, it's like a restaurant, like a bar type joint, like, Seriously? I mean, dude, I didn't, I didn't know there was, like, dress code for these kind of places. Like, I got to eat, and I, gotta, I have to dress a certain way? That reminds me of the things that I don't like about New York. That was one of them. That was that kind of was trash. Oh, yeah, definitely. So I was like, oh, man, I, I hate dress codes anyway. Dress codes and covers. Two things yeah. I really don't do. So um, we went, finally found a spot. We ate. We'll talk about NXT in depth a little later in the show, 
But the night, the vibes, everything about that was great. What do we do the day after that Saturday? You had a busy Saturday. Yeah, Saturday I was all over the place. I had the, you know, I did the, uh, the show in the morning um, with MGF. I did Orange Cassidy show, and then I did. Then we did uh, ROH. That was the night of ROH, and that's when we met up. We went to the, uh, damn, I forgot what that spot was called. Met my boy Jeff uh, from Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report. Uh, Steve Pammon, good friend of mine, one, runs Beyonce's Entertainment. She's the president. If you ever seen him, um, met up with him. We had at the restaurant. I hadn't seen him since we worked at BET, so we got a lot of BET talk in. Um, yeah, man, then, then it was from there. It was ROH uh, New Japan show, which we'll hold that conversation a little bit later, but the atmosphere was great. You guys got your tickets at the last minute, had great seats. Um, I got to see some craziness with this whole end zone cast thing, which we'll talk about, but that was a great show. And then y'all went back to y'all room. I ended up, yeah, I ended up at the hookah lands with Cass, Alexis Littlefoot, and Jeff and got kicked out because of weirdness um yeah <laughs> new york is something else and then i ended up at kevin nash's uh because i was supposed to go to joey janelle's spring break to meet up with mjf the greatest clusterfuck if anybody watched the greatest clusterfuck it was ridiculous but i didn't end up there because the trains were ridiculous the path was nuts to jersey so me and kaz and jeff and alexis we were like all right let's go to kevin nash's joint so we go to kevin nash's joint and it's weird because there's like wrestlers there so, like, you know, MVP was there. I saw, like, Animal, Legion of Doom. I would have had a word with him about all his MAGA stuff. But it was, like, you know, it was wrestlers. And then it was, like, there were fans that could pay to get in. So it was a really weird vibe because you'd see your favorite wrestler, right? And then you see, like, a fan, like, lurking and being weird. And all this, and Kevin Nash is going to give a little speech. Um, it was weird, man. It's, it's weird when you mix, mar like, super-duper marks with wrestlers. And the wrestlers are just really trying to kick it. They're not really there to work or perform or anything like that. They're just trying to hang out. It was it was a weird vibe, man. So that's that was my Saturday night. I can't remember where I ended up after that. Eventually, I went to I think I ate some trash food and went back to the hotel. Um, <laughs> and then Sunday was Mania. Yeah, which obviously we'll talk about Mania a little bit later. But you know, it was the one time th throughout the entire weekend that we were all in the same place at the same time prior to Mania, and we were we brunching it up. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> with so the with the brunch god over here, who I got <laughs> I got to give you props because you found a spot in Midtown Manhattan that had food, like legit good food, and all you can drink beer, mimosas, and something else for thirty dollars telling you if it exists i'm gonna find it and it <laughs> yeah. was great we all got to go we took we fight, we got that one picture in so this is on my facebook that we have our one picture the crew love that, that was all together then we ended up going to wrestlemania talk about wrestlemania in a minute but the let out of wrestlemania is i think what we really need to talk about before we move on Yo, oh my god we dodged a bullet so walking away from the stadium was the best thing we ever decided so okay before we talk about exactly how we got the hell out of there um, I think everybody should know by now that there was this huge story about people getting... The WrestleMania ended at what, 12, 1230? 12, 1230, yep. So there was a huge story that went out everywhere about it was impossible for people to leave. So there was like 80,000 people outside trying to find their way away from MetLife Stadium. And some people didn't leave until 430 in the morning because the buses could only carry like 30 people at a time. And it was storming at that point. Yes, and it was raining. It was, it was horrible. So... Us, we found, you know, we were walking out. We got our chair. Shout out to you, Kel. Got, got me a chair. Hey. Um, my first ever. Yeah. And uh, 
we decided to start walking. So we start walking towards the, the, the buses to go back. Well, initially, we went the wrong way. We went to where the trains were, and they told us we need to go another direction. And we saw Emilio, and he's going to the friends and family thing, <laughs> mid-level flexing on us. So we're walking, and, and, and we see the line, and it's thousands of people in this line. Thousands of people in this line. And it's only moving like 30 to 40 people at a time. So we decided, yo, we're just going to walk. Because we had to get away. Like, we couldn't Uber. Like, nobody had service. We found a cab. And cost us a note. We found a cab <laughs> that was willing to take us back to Midtown. And we dodged the bullet because I think as soon as we got in that cab, that rain was coming down like hell. And this cab driver was straight out of Dreamcast, like crazy taxi. <laughs> when I say he got us from MetLife to 42nd in 16 minutes. It was amazing. Yo, yo like, and for some reason, like our chairs had like the worst seat belts. In the world, like it was a death trap, but this yeah. guy was whipping it. There was there was so much traffic when we were waiting there, and when we caught him, he made this U turn, took us like a weird direction, made like three circles, and next thing you know, we're in the tunnel. It's crazy. Yeah, so we had the the legit crazy taxi driver. He played that game all during his life growing up, and it paid <laughs> off for us. And so then for me, I was at the I, hotel know, by what one. I was at the hotel by 115, 120. Was it that early? That oh, early. Was later than that. No, I was watching Twitter like, shit, people were still stuck out there, huh? I was like, sucks yeah, for I know. you. If people were still stuck out there, and the thing that sucked for me is like, I had to be at the airport at four. So I had to go back. I didn't go to sleep. I didn't go to sleep until Tuesday night. From Sunday to Tuesday, Yo. I didn't, was it Tuesday night? No, my bad, Monday night, Monday night. Because it, I woke up Sunday at 9 a.m. We did every, we did that, went to WrestleMania, came back, grabbed my bag, got an Uber to Newark because I flew out of Newark, took the Uber all the way out to Newark. I was like, yo, I need a coffee because I don't sleep well on planes. <laughs> the coffee line was ridiculous. Like, everything's closed at the airport until, like, 6. My flight's at 6. So I had to wait for Dunkin' Donuts to open up to get a coffee. Um yeah, got, got on my flight, was back in Vegas by 8.30 Pacific time. And then as soon as I got back, started working on the Kofi project, which a lot of you have probably seen by now. Which is dope. So congrats to you. And uh, much love on Twitter and social media. And when I saw it, I was like, man, this is, this is great. This is special. It's a great idea. Your team over at Sporting News, turning it that quick, putting it together, capturing the emotion. Uh, your idea to start a Wale Mania and... Man, it just it brought everything together, and it, it gave the best of everything because it's something. The raw emotions is something I feel like a lot of people went through, um, but at the same time, it was like not a lot of people got to experience Wale Mania. You know, not 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 a lot of people got to see Kofi's speech beforehand and what it meant to everyone in the crowd and everyone on stage. And you really set the tone. It, it painted the picture from start to finish. Yeah, and it was, it was, you know, it was crazy because I was thinking about it, you know, um, when we were at Mania and Kofi won, which we'll talk about later, like the how the place reacted. And I started thinking on my flight back, I was like, you know, there was so many reactions and I saw Twitter was blowing up and um, I was talking to a few wrestlers and I was just like, talk about how significant of a moment this is. So, the, you know, and I was like, wow, you know, I think, I think it would be good. I was, I was curious. I was like, you know what? I'm going to put a tweet out there for everybody to send me reaction videos. Just see what happens. Yeah. And normally, you know, I didn't expect, to be honest, I didn't expect much. 
I thought I'd get a few, and I was contacting my team. Because you're a and, pessimist by nature. Of, of course. So, I, you know, I contacted my team in Charlotte, and I was like, this is the idea that I have. I have video from Wale Mania. Um, shout out to Cass for getting me that. Um, and I, I'm going to get a few reaction videos, and I want to put it together, and I'd like to put something together for social media. And I want to turn it around quick because I don't want it to get old because it's something that we, you know, we got to jump on. Our team was busy, but I was like, this means a lot to me because I wrote our big, the big piece I wrote for Wale Mania, um, the fact that I was there, fact that i saw it the fact that i'm black this is very important to me yeah my team was like all right cool let's do it put out the tweet in a matter of minutes i had hundreds of videos and i mean like i you know um maybe i shouldn't say this but my dms are open because they're i don't care right like <laughs> something somebody sends me something i just ignore it but there was so much so many videos from people i mean I got tons from people in the arena. Then I started getting videos like Biggie retweeted it, and Wale retweeted it, and Sport News retweeted it. Then it just started getting all this traction. And the next thing I knew, like I had a video from the Philippines, I had a video from <laughs> Greece, I had a video from Australia, I had a video. I saw I people wilding out in Colombia. Yeah, like I had a video from I had video from everywhere. And then so I'm telling my team, I'm like, uh oh, this is a lot bigger than I expected it to be. So, you know, a video series video, I was like, look, 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 can you just turn around something? Let's keep it short and sweet because we can't do it for too long. But, you know, I'm trying to pick the best videos out. Again, I haven't slept since Sunday morning. It's, it's Monday afternoon and I'm like trying to pull this thing together and I'm writing the text, all the dialogue. I wrote all the text in the dialogue and um, I gave it to our guy and he, he flipped it around for Tuesday morning. And those, I mean, I, when I first watched it, I was like, yo, this is big. Like, then, and even then, I'm like, this is cool. Maybe a few people will watch this. No, the thing is, right now, I'll tell you what it's at right now. My mentions are in shambles between this Nipsey Hussle thing and, and, uh, and, <laughs> and this. And you dropped it on your Twitter. Yeah, so. I put it on, so yeah, I put it on my Twitter because I talked to the guys at Sport News, and I was like, look, if, if I have to wait for social media to put it up on their side, um, it may be a while. I was like, let me go ahead and put it up on mine because I don't really know how well it's going to do. And on a weird note, like I have a verified account and our sporting news team does not. Our social, our, our sporting news fight team does not. It's a weird story why, but it's not. It's relatively <laughs> So I was like, you know what? Maybe it'll reach a few more people. So they was like, go ahead and do it. Can't be, you know, it's not going to be that serious, right? Dog, this thing is amassed like 240,000 views, 7,000, like 8,000 likes. Like, I'm getting hit up with all kinds of people about this video and what it means to them, and people crying. So they've sent me, people sent me messages talking about how emotional they were over this video. And it's moments like that where you realize that, like, I don't even think Kofi really knows or Biggie or Xavier Woods or, you know, this, I mean, I, I left the video out of MVP crying. Um, and that wasn't my fault. It was just we just had too much on our plate. But there's a video of, uh, uh, I think it was Shad and, and MVP crying when they saw him win the title. Yep. It's represent, representation means everything. And we don't get these opportunities very often. And I didn't know that it was, I, I thought it was like it was a special passion project to me. Writing about Wally Mania was my passion project. Like, doing this video was my thing. This WrestleMania, once I knew Kofi was involved, I was like, this is important to me. And I hope it's important to other people. Lo and behold, it wasn't just important to black folks. This was important to everybody. Great editing, too, by the way. Because you showed a lot of black folks. And like, yo, no, by the way, this affected everyone. Yeah, and I, Around I, I, the I, world. 
when I started pulling those videos together, I saw people and how emotional they were. It was like seeing Black Panther again, because like Black Panther was a film that it wasn't just black people that went to go see it. Nope. White people enjoyed this film as well, and they understood the, the necessity of representation. So Kofi's win was such a big coup for everybody. Obviously, I'll, I'll talk about it later why we can't have nice things, because some people are just really dumb and like to shit on things. No, we got to talk about that shit right now. You know what? The hell with everyone who says, you know, it's scripted or pro wrestling is fake. So why are people crying or why does this matter? You know what? This shit don't matter to you, so keep it stepping. And to everyone else, <laughs> this shit is real. And the emotions of what it means to see this is real. And your, your tie-in automatically was like, yo, it, I wish we could have went through these people's timeline, but we busy as hell. And pulled their tweets from Black Panther Weekend. Right. Everyone, that, um, Get Out, all this stuff, they're championing that stuff. Beyonce, when a Grammy chance, when a Grammy, all this stuff. People love that. The you know, And all that means something. And the black girl excellence and all this shit. I love all that. And this is another extension of that. And a wave of people came at you just trying to shit on it for no reason. Yeah, there were, there were two trains of thought. Now, the first one was, it's scripted. Why are y'all so emotional? And that was, and I got a lot of those, and I just got fed up, and there was one guy I picked out, and I was like, yo, did you enjoy Black Panther? <laughs> did you enjoy Us or Get Out? You know, that shit's scripted too, right? Did it make the moment any less, less significant? Kofi winning is very similar to an all-black cast breaking box office records. The shit is still scripted, but representation matters. It means a lot for a kid. Like, one of the videos I had in, in the, uh, the tribute video, the kid goes, this is the happiest day of my life, right? You have to understand what that means because a kid like myself who doesn't, see, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't see black champions in WWE. So it was never something I ever considered that I could do. Yeah. As a child. And as a child, you want to be a superhero, an astronaut, a rocket scientist. Like, you want to be all those things. But if you don't see yourself in them, it makes it a little bit more difficult. Yeah. So the fact that Kofi won meant a lot to people. The fact that Black Panther did so well meant a lot to people because then it said people want to see black people in movies. It means that people want to see a black champion. Damn right, because I never wanted to be Coco Beware or Junkyard Dog. <laughs> oh, no, man. Like, sorry. Like, you know, they're respected now. Like, props to them. But no, I never wanted to grow up and be like, I want to be those guys. I wanted to be Brad Hart. I wanted to be, you know, Shawn Michaels. I want to be a bunch of people who didn't look like me. And then now kids don't have to say that. Yeah, and, and, and it's and the uh, the second train of thought was that flooded my timeline was he's not the first black champion. Now, I, I first of all, I pick on people who couldn't read because I said he was an <laughs> African-born champion, the first one, because I wanted to dodge semantics for this particular reason. The Rock is considered, because he's half black and half Samoan, so you can use that example if you really want to. But if we want to really get down to the nitty gritty of it all, The Rock left the Nation of Domination, became pretty much racially ambiguous. Correct. So when he won the title, we didn't really identify with The Rock as a guy who came to our hood. We didn't really see Which that. Is, he wasn't. It's still odd to me, because his gimmick was very black. Or, like, he, he embraced that side of himself for that gimmick. Because it was right. very Miami, very flashy, the glasses. He he was who everyone at the U was. He, he was what made that school popular, where he went and everything. And that's what he embodied. So I, I consider The Rock a black champion, but I still consider this vastly different. Right. So it's like even when The Rock won, like, yeah, I knew it. But, it, you know, it wasn't 
it wasn't like the New Day. The New Day really embraced black culture. They talked about black Twitter. And obviously, Kofi's somebody who's worked in this company for 11 years and never even sniffed the title shot. Second thing was, people was like, well, Mark Henry was the champion. No, he was not the WWE champion. He was the World Heavyweight Champion, which was the WCW title. Yep. Same goes for Booker T. Um, and then there was another name that somebody tried to throw at me. Can't remember who it was. But nobody. Yeah, I think that's it, right? <laughs> like, there, there's not Probably. even too many people you can aim at being world champion. Like, right. it, it's, it's not, a, not it's, a long it's, list. So it's a limited scope there. Then also, it's you know, um, Kofi is a babyface as a black champion who is like black, black, yep. black wife, black kids, black hair, like dark skin, like, dark skin. Yeah, it's like all yeah, the like, things, and and we haven't had that champion yet that people could look at and immediately identify with because he identifies with us. So that's any combat sports brand, not to cut you off, but we talk about this shit all the time. Any combat sports brand to lynch their wagon to a likable black man is incredible. Yeah. Because you always got to be the villain. You got to be the angry black man. You got to be, you know, just unlikable. You got to be a stereotype. Kofi's not that. Kofi, Kofi was Daniel Bryan for most people. Like it, it came to a point where they looked. I don't want to say past race because race is such a, a important part in a good way to this, but he became so much more to so many people. And it was like, yes, we we're finally at that point where it's like, you know what? You're looking at Kofi cause you love everything about him. And you're not even saying, I don't want this black man as my champion. It became marketable. Yeah, it was huge. The other name was Ron Simmons. Ron Simmons is also a WCW, well, NWA champion. Correct. Doesn't count. Not the same. And people were like, well, the Universal title is bigger than the world, the, the WCW, I mean, the WWE championship. It's not, there's a longer tenure. The Universal title is still new. If, if Kofi were, were to stay champion, you, got, you kind of have to believe SmackDown could be a bigger show because it's going to be on Fox. Yeah. So, I mean. But They're just for, comparing that to the A show, which really doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. And we didn't even see Brock Lesnar on the damn show half the time, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just felt like people were trying to find a way to rip this apart, and I couldn't understand why. It was like, why can't we just have nice things? Why can't y'all just enjoy shit? Why do you have to use semantics to try to pull things apart? You know, saying that The Rock was a black champion, and even, even what I said, specifically African-born, he's from Ghana, people. He's not, And I, I put that specifically in there for that reason. Didn't say African-American. Didn't say black. I said African-born WWE champion. And people still were nitpicking at it. Now, that doesn't mean the majority was. It was just a, enough idiots to try to try to get some traction by being fools and putting that out there. But it's like, man, look, that was a moment. Yep. Kofi, Kofi was absolutely a moment. And people crying over this and people feeling emotional about it. Let them feel this way. Y'all, y'all got to stop. Like trying it's to not, it's not harming them in any way. No, it's like, why do you want to poo-poo on everything, man? Relax. Relax, man. If you don't like wrestling, if you say it's scripted, yo, go watch the Black Panther, dress up and go to the movies. And I'll tell you how stupid that sounds. Even though it's not, but somebody can tell you, man, you stupid for dressing up for Black Panther. You'll be offended. Let these people yeah. enjoy themselves, man. Let it's, black people enjoy black excellence. A lot of, and a lot of these people were black, too. Damn shame on them. But a lot of this just circulates around its social media. And it's yeah. Twitter. And these people feel somewhat just, I guess they, they feel untouchable because they're behind a computer. They're behind a keyboard. They're behind their phone. 
I felt in so many of these instances to just go on Twitter and be like, yo, keep the same energy in person. They won't. And they wouldn't. <laughs> they, they wouldn't. Like, yo, you know what? Next time, you, you say this in Jersey when we're leaving Mania. And let's see if you pipe up. When it was just a mob of wrestling fans. No, you'd shut the hell up. Like, these, these people were just idiots. And we're seeing more and more of this on social media. That's just one example. That was our little world's example of people being stupid on social media this weekend. And there was so many more. I wrote this guy's name down, Darius M4. <laughs> like his Twitter handle. I, oh. I damn know, I know he's not listening to this show. Because none of our fans are this stupid. Like this guy, he's stupid. There's no other way to put it. And he had the audacity to say, and someone always does this shit for clout, which is stupid. Black women are not marriage material. I absolutely hate people who talk in these generalized terms. It, it provides nothing. I really wanted to ask this man, yo, so is your mama still single? Right. Who made you? Who made you? Like, your mama single? Because she ain't marriage material, fam. Like, I, I, he just... You put so many people in a box by doing that, and he was so comfortable. He was trying to go at people in his mentions. Like, black yeah. women are not marriage material. And I was like, yo, I was, I was going to say something to him, but I didn't want to have to Twitter slap him and shit getting too real. Because obviously I was, what, two days removed from marrying a white and Spanish woman. But again, that's my... My style, and that's who I fell in love with. But my first wife, who I bashed on the show, but now we're very cool. <laughs> my my <laughs> ex-wife is a black woman. My kids are black and now only a quarter Puerto Rican. And they're perfectly fine. They, they know their identity. I make sure that they know this, that they know they're pretty, that they know they're special. And their mother is a big part of that. So now she's in another relationship. I would never say she's not marriage material. Like... Black women are great. I'm raising two black women. I had to learn how to do a pressing comb. I had to tell them <laughs> to hold their ear, put the fucking hot comb on the stove. Like, I, I had to do this. I understand what goes into that and how strong they have to be and how strong they are. So this, this guy was just an idiot. But again, I look at it, and his mentions are on fire. And it was yeah. a short sample size because obviously it's not sustainable. But he got his 15 seconds of fame off of this dumb shit. Man. I have, like, like I said. So many people, Dre. Today someone was on your nerves. I don't even know what for. Nipsey. Which we'll oh. talk about in a minute. We'll talk about Nipsey. But oh let, we, let's, let's get back on this dude real quick. Because th there's this prevailing thought that black women aren't marriage material. Is based, it's, it's crazy because it's, like it's based on what? right? It's based on your personal experience. Now, I, you know... I don't know how many black women this man dated, but I'm pretty sure it's not 5% of the black population. <laughs> so it's like for him to, to, to make this overall thing that black women are gold diggers or black women aren't taught to love black men. That's one of the things you said. They aren't taught to love black men because their mothers are single. Yo, you might as well put on a MAGA hat, dog. <laughs> like, because my wife, her parents, stayed, they just like recently divorced. And her parents were together forever, right? Like, this, the, the, the idea that, the troubling thing is the idea that the, uh, 
single parents are only in black households and divorces don't happen in white households is bullshit. And people need to stop that, especially black folks, because y'all should fucking know better. Because some of y'all did grow like people grow up with in single parent homes, no matter what the race. Now, it happens. Not every marriage stays true. But there are those that do. And to, to make that suggestion that somebody doesn't know how to love a black man because their mother is single is fucking dumb. And to watch people spew this kind of this is like hatred, because like you said, like, what is your mother, dog? Like when you have kids, even if you marry the whitest of white, if you marry fucking Tammy Lauren, your kids <laughs> are still going to be half black. They're still going to be half black and they might have so much black in them. That they're just identified as black. They might not be ambiguous like Mariah Carey, who can get away with it if she straightens her hair. They, they, you know, or The Rock, who may be able to be ambiguous. They may just be mixed kids with heavily black features. Mm-hmm. What do you tell your daughters? What do you tell them? Like, come on, that man. they gonna like, be single forever. He better not, keep that same energy. That means you're a trash parent, is what that means. And it's like, but this, this is, it's like Twitter's become the shit storm for negativity. Not even become it is. Right. Because there's a lot. It's it's a, it's a fine place to voice your displeasure for things. But it's also a great place to show your love for things, which is why I appreciated so many people enjoying the Kofi video. But on the flip side of that, there's, there's people that will say that kind of nonsense. And there's people that just like to rain on people's parades. But, you know, be wary. It's like it's not indicative of the entire world. There's always a few bad apples. They try to get some traction. They try to get some, you know, followers. But there's for me, there's no currency in followers, man. Like. Yeah, I got whatever, 18,000. Who, who gives a shit? But my circle of friends is mad small, right? And, so, and, I, and that's my currency. The love that the people that are around me have, that's currency. But this whole, you know, I got to say things for clout, y'all got to relax, man, because y'all whack. Yeah, that shit is dumb. Uh, talking about the Nipsey thing, we'll talk touch on the ceremony, which was great today. But I love just staying on the topics of idiots, and on social media, Kodak Black. <laughs> How fucking dumb is this guy? On on live, on a live video. Everything's worse on video. Everything. And hitting on Lauren London, it had to be, what, 48 hours after? Maybe four days after her husband passed away and everyone's praising him. He's so going through all his accolades and, and just hitting on it. Like he's just a shitty human being and talking about a, a warped mindset towards women. Kodak black has problems in that area that not many other people can relate to. He's so far in the deep end on that shit. He's facing like three cases. I mean, so, so my question is this, what does it take for y'all to cancel somebody? Right. The man's got three rape trials pending. Nah, not enough. The man said he hates the dark skinned women. He's like pretty just vocal about it. Yeah. Even though he's super dark skinned. Yeah. Dark as it gets. He's Haitian. That's that's not enough. Don't love yourself. Like that was enough for you guys. Oh, he told a rapper that you like that who's now passed away. His, you know, he told he said he's hitting on the girlfriend. Now it's now it's crossing the line. He also said some wild shit about young M.A. Ah, yes, that too. Like oh, a week ago. But that's not enough? Like, now this is the tipping point? That kind of bothers me. Because it's like, yo, what? Why he's, is not even, tolerant? he's not even talented to get the pass. Right. It's like, why is y'all tolerance for bullshit so high? 
what do you expect to get out of these people? Like when I look at somebody like Kodak Black and I see three rape trials pending and he hates dark skinned women, that was enough to, for me to say, oh, I'm good. Like, I don't have to vote. I don't even have to go on social media to say I'm canceled. Like, I don't even have to make that announcement. I'm good. I have one nothing to do with this guy. I don't care. Nothing. But then it's just like he, you, y'all keep him in the for Like, you keep entertaining his nonsense. And it's almost like the Kanye West thing. Even, you know, the Kanye West Trump. Kanye's like an idiot. So it's like it's a different kind of whatever. Kodak Black, on the other hand, like, dog, you have trials pending rape. That wasn't enough. That wasn't enough for you people to, to cancel this guy. This is this is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Like, I, I don't understand his appeal. I've gone my entire life without listening to Kodak Black. I think people would be fine. Yeah. I, I think you can live without him. Like, it's kind of hard to avoid a Kanye track, right? So it'd be like, cool. You don't got to cancel Kanye. That's fine. R. Kelly music, it's still... I, I've swept a lot of that shit. There was no R. Kelly played at my wedding. Which, which is a point, because there's a lot of good R. Kelly wedding songs. No, no R. Kelly played at the wedding, um, even though Dre's favorite track was played three times, and that's Blueface. No, but, on it. no thanks. <laughs> even though, side note real quick, this uh, little Nas X dude with the country <laughs> song, that shit is flames. <laughs> and Billy Ray Cyrus might get the Corner Podcast Award for best verse. Yeah, he came out. He, yo, he was like, nobody else going to ride this train? No. Here I come. He came through like, like, listen, I was Drake before Drake. Don't fuck with me. Let me remind y'all. Clean Let me show up. y'all how I ride this track. So that shit, that shit was great. But uh, no, Kodak Black has none of that appeal. He's no. easily canceled in my book. He adds nothing to the culture. I mean, look, look I'll, put, I'll put it like this. You have to for, you have to cancel something that you originally subscribed to. Dog, I didn't even subscribe to Kodak Black for me to cancel him. So it's like, what what are we doing? Y'all was buying his music for real? Yeah, I don't know. I don't man. know how this guy has a platform still. So that's stupid. But on a, uh, I guess on a positive note, somewhat, uh, the ceremony for Nipsey was today. Packed the Staples Center, tons of people showing love, respect, and the first thing because we had to stream it at work today. So I watched like the whole thing. I was checking the comment section. A lot of people have no clue what the hell Nipsey did and what was so great about him. But we wrote uh, a nice little story on my job um, about him and kind of his contributions as a person. And that's something that was highlighted through this whole thing. It was so much more than Nipsey Hussle, the rapper, the artist, the musician. Like this shit was a celebration of him as a person. And it just sucks that it takes someone passing away to really give them their accolades, you know? We did it a little bit, and he kind of knew, but not to this level. I'm, I'm sure he didn't see that he touched this many people and had this large of an impact. Stevie Wonder was there, Dre. Stevie yeah. Wonder performed. I mean, Barack Obama wrote a letter for Nipsey. Um, you know, I, I've already talked about, you know, my interactions with Nipsey in the past, and I'm really, like, the more time that has passed, like, I really <clears throat> wish I got that damn documentary with Nipsey done. It was just a scheduling conflict, because that, that really meant a lot to me, and we couldn't get it done because of scheduling, um, just to show what he does for the community. But you look at this ceremony today, um, and it was just, it was unreal, the outpouring of love. And it's and the thing that it, that was most important to me was that people understood that Nipsey was bigger than music. And... They didn't talk about music for like the first like hour of this ceremony. 
this going this going home ceremony. Like they, it wasn't it wasn't like Nipsey had you know this great song. It was none of that. It was really about what Nipsey meant to people. And I said this on Twitter, and it it for me it's true because legacy isn't defined by your day job, right? Like Muhammad Ali's not the goat just because he was really good at boxing. It was so much more. And that's probably why, as time goes on, LeBron's going to be the go-to-head of Jordan as an individual because of what they did outside of the ring and what they did outside of their day jobs. And the reason why Tupac has become such a legend to people is because of what he meant to people outside of his music. But Nipsey, was all, he was different in that nature because there's been a lot of rappers who've had a lot more that did a lot less. And Nipsey put out his first album last year. Victory Lap was his first studio album. He had multiple mixtapes. We had one studio album. And he had already reinvested in his community. And by reinvesting, I'm not just talking about donating sneakers or donating money or some turkeys on Thanksgiving. He's buying up the block. He's, he was reclaiming the neighborhood financially. And that was celebrated throughout this, this entire engagement. I was just like, I was so blown away by the outpouring of support for him and how the media has done a, I have to give it to him, they've done a really great job because it, it wasn't a lot seen some bullshit stories, but it wasn't a lot of, oh, he was a crip or he was a gang member. It was about what he did for people. And this really encompassed it. And I think for me, like there was, uh, first of all, brought it to my eyes to see the kids um, because I have a daughter and I just, you know, I see he has a two year old. He has a, he has a, a son the same age as my daughter. And that little boy is not going to know his dad. He's going to hear about the legend of his father. And that kind of broke me up. And, you know, uh, Lauren London, Little Wayne's son speaking and talking about how he saw Nipsey. It, it was it was a lot because it's like he meant this much to people. But what about the people he actually touched and he was with every day and that knew him? And I think the other thing, there was two things that were really cool about this um, that gave a different side of Nipsey. And it also showed the authenticity of Nipsey with Snoop Dogg and his brother Sam. And. Black Sam told a story about Nipsey being 12 years old and getting a, a different part of a computer every day and bringing it home so he could build himself a computer. And his brother telling him, no, you can't build a computer. What are you, crazy? And you know, it's hood stuff. Like, yo, nobody's thinking about building computers. What are you doing? He built a computer and he used that computer to have software to make music. And that was his, that, that became the ladder from the climb himself and his family out of the struggle. That's hustle. Like a piece of computer a day, that's what hit me. I was like, yo, a piece of computer a day? And he put it all together. That There was that. And then there was Snoop being an authentic crip on stage, talking about Nipsey, but talking about the love that Nipsey brought gangs together and people who came from gang, gang culture, because these weren't bangers. This was gang culture. But Snoop was not the lovable Martha Stewart guy. Snoop was talking about, no, nah, cuz, like, he was really being authentic, but it shows the duality that black folks have to deal with. You deal with the hood that you come from, and then you deal as a businessman. And Nipsey was able to do both. Unfortunately, the, the community he tried to give back to took his life, and it was one stupid individual. But, man, he meant a lot to people. He nah, meant so much. So much, man. And just an outpour of support. It is oh, amazing. I'm looking right now. The ten, the double XL freshman ten cover, yeah, was just nuts. Nipsey on that, standing next to J Cole, Wiz Khalifa. That that's one of the best ones, man. Big Sean was on it. J Rock, 
That's one hell of a cover. That's when they used to mean something. <laughs> yeah, that's when it used to mean something. What the hell ever happened to Pill? I don't know, man. If that I'm on one of these good covers and I my career is shit right now, I'm just feeling horrible. I'm off social media. It's like, yo, y'all ain't just gonna badmouth me every year when I'm yeah, the yeah. only one that sucks on this damn cover. It's weird. So so back to stupidity real quick. So I tweeted out about Black Sam's story about Nipsey building a computer, and I thought that was incredible. Because at its twelve year being twelve years old in nineteen ninety-eight, to have the wherewithal to say, you know what? I'm gonna go take this and build this computer. I'm twelve and I'm gonna use it to get out. I thought that was incredible. And I, and I thought that's and it, then people were just like, building a computer is not hard. I can do it. I did it. <laughs> Nobody's fucking talking about you. Like I could never build a computer for the record. No, I couldn't either. And it's like for people to go on Twitter and so like, because I think a few people like Sean King and like Complex retweeted, so it went viral. I don't know how many retweets and shares it has, but then the idiots come out and they say, you know, building a computer is not that hard. And I'm like, I think you're missing the point. I'm talking about a boy in his circumstances, because I had a lot of white people saying this. And I'm like, yo, nah, you wasn't, you wasn't, did you grow up in Los Angeles? Crenshaw? No? Slauson? No? You're not a Slauson boy? All right, cool. To understand the struggle of saying, I'm going to build a computer because, like, my friends in 1998 would have been like, fuck out of here. Like, you're building a computer? It just sounds stupid. It doesn't sound real. Maybe to you affluent white kids in your white neighborhoods, fine. Maybe it's simple for you. But for Nipsey to do it, it shows hustle and it shows exactly what he was all about. And I just don't understand, again, why can't we have nice things? Like, why can't y'all just let people be happy with an inspirational story? I don't get it. I just don't get it. And and what and that was just that him at twelve and the in the home videos that they showed and like to where he is now, um, well up you know up until his passing a few weeks ago, um, and everything that he did, it's just like we we really lost one man and it's like to me you know he's a goat because not because he's the greatest rapper of all time even though I enjoyed his music I was listening to check me out I forgot how dope that was I listened to it like every day, but um the fact that he did so much and impacted so many lives and I hope people. You know, Kodak Black's too far gone. But I hope it turns <laughs> people who are on the course to be in the next Kodak Black to recognize. Like, if Kodak Black pl- passes tomorrow, ain't going to be no ceremony like that for Kodak Black. Not because of your music, because you ain't doing shit for your community. And Nipsey meant something to the community. The legends are created by the things they do outside of their day jobs. And I've always wanted to make... It was always important to me to touch people's lives. And that's going back to the beginning of the show... When I said how important it is to me when I hear that people listen to us, to affect a couple of people's lives means a lot to me because I needed that motivation to get through my tough times in my life. And I needed figures that, that didn't know that they were impacting me, um, but they did. You know, meeting certain people in certain conversations can mean a lot to you. Now, Nipsey did this on a much grander scale than, than I could ever do. Like, I hope one day I can get to that level where I affect people. Like, I, I think that's important. Kids need that. Mm-hmm. But Nipsey did so much more. That's a goat. That's a legend. Kofi doing what he did. Like, Kofi's in the moment right now. Like, he gets it, but I don't think he really gets what, what happened. Like, no. and, and, and He's that's, a Hall of Famer right now. Yeah, exactly. Like, the New Days, they're going, they have to go to the Hall of Fame. Breaking the tag team champions record, but they are black. They are us. They represent our community our ideals. There is no buffoonery. They have they, they came in as heels but were immediately babyfaces and have not turned back. The new they never broke up. They're still together and, and Kofi's a champion. 
that that's a lot, man. That's brotherhood. That's there's a lot there. Nipsey had the opportunity to take his money and run, go to Calabasas, kick it with Kanye and, and Kim. Nah, <laughs> man. He stayed in the community. That means a lot to people. It's unfortunate that he passed, but I hope I, and pray that people like Kofi and Nipsey, the, the lives that they touch, turns you from a life that could be probably dark and, and filled with terror and a bunch of bullshit to a life where you go, you know what? I can do something better than this. Like, if you aspire to be a legend, you should aspire to be the Nipsey Hustles of the world. You should aspire to be the Kofi's who worked hard for 11 years and finally got his calling. Aspire, man, but don't be no bitch and go up on Twitter and start fucking <laughs> hating on this shit. And that's that. No, nah, word. And just doing it for clout and for a couple likes and a couple retweets and to have people to actually talk to you, that's some whack shit. It really is. And I go back to the point, kids don't get punched in the face no more. This never <laughs> happened growing up in the 90s, 2000s, when you could punch someone in the face. Kids don't get punched in the face anymore. It's the damn problem with this world. Uh, nah, we're going to take a break then. When we come back, we got to talk about the actual wrestling at WrestleMania in some of the shows we watched, and then also UFC, because big weekend, UFC 236, and TJ Dillashaw, adios, uh, and Loma fights this weekend, so still a lot of the show left. You guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know, me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting Casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's Casper.com backslash the corner promo code t-h-e-c-o-r-n-e-r terms and conditions apply just that quick we are back and we got to touch on the nitty-gritty of wrestlemania weekend dre before we get into everything we're going to talk about takeover first we're kind of going to go in order of the main shows here in a second but dave Meltzer <laughs> released <laughs> his ratings funny. 5.5, Drake. 5.5 for Johnny Champion. And in the best match, best NXT match I've ever seen. And you guys thought, like, you started naming, like, four or five that may have been better. But, yeah, yeah the first two fa falls were slow. But that's how, that's the nature of the beast in these type of matches. When it was time to sprint, very very hard to find another match in NXT history that has a sprint like this one was, and we'll get into that. But 5.5, it means this is greater than shit, Cena versus Punk. Yeah, no. That means the, the rating scale is out the window, Dre. We're basing everything on 8.0. <laughs> look, man, Meltzer, look, I mean, I don't <laughs> broke the scale. <laughs> it's his range. It's like one man's rating system, so I can't be that mad about it. 
but no, come but on, that's bro. like you going to Double XL and being like, yo, you know what? This Kanye album, seven, seven mics. Yeah, like, seven XLs. Like, what? Seven XL. Yeah, just, like, it just gets egregious and outrageous. And, and it's interesting because I had been, you know, I do my WrestleMania binges, and then I started going back to see what Meltzer gave some of these matches, right? Mm-hmm. TLC 2, which is probably one of the, I mean, one of the best WrestleMania matches of all time. He gave it a 4.75. <laughs> That's a five-star match. He was the right? king of 4.75s for a while. Yeah, but that that is a five-star match. TLC 2? Oh, my God. This, like... And now, now it's just like whatever everything. Like he gave Walter and Pete Dunne a four point seven five, I believe, and I don't, I don't see it. I liked uh, it. I thought it was good. It just wasn't an NXT pacing. Good I mean, brawl though. I like the methodical pacing of it, but I just don't necessarily see a four point seven five. Like, wasn't that classic? Colin Gargano, I look, I enjoyed it. If there was a camera on me during those near near falls, I was up and down the aisle because yo. That last sprint was incredible. But them first two falls, they were slow. And I get it. I get it. I get the pace of the match. But it, it wasn't like, um, you know, Omega and Okada. No, like, no, no, no. Every fall felt meaningful. Those first two falls just really felt arbitrary. And it felt but like they didn't need to have them. Omega Okada is an eight-star match, right? So what are we talking know. about here? So it's, it's two and a half stars less. That's You're like right. taking a five-star match and going down to 2.5. I mean, look, man, the system is just <laughs> is what it is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as a whole, the takeover I thought was great. Um, I I don't know if it's the greatest takeover. I still think Gargano and Almas was probably arguably one of the best. I know that one of the best NXT matches that I saw in person was Nakamura and Sami Zayn. That was unbelievable in person. Um Going back and watch is still unbelievable. But whatever. I mean, as a whole, NXT does it again. It proves to you that you don't need to have a ton of matches to have a great show. No. But when you have a ton of talent, you kind of have to have a ton of matches. Well, yeah, that's where you get stuck. You know, that's where you paint yourself in the corner when you're WrestleMania. And you still don't get guys on the show. But NXT as a whole, I enjoy it. Um, You know, Matt Riddle losing to Velveteen Dream. I was a little surprised about that. Thought the match was fine. I think he gave that like a four and a half. I don't. I don't think it was that good. Um, I thought that was good. I thought that was better than Pete Dunne and Walter. I see. Like both those matches to me are like fours. I, like in comparison to what we saw with the few matches at New Japan the following night, I just four point seven five. Nah. I mean, see. what New Japan matches were better? Like, I mean, that triple threat was ridiculous. Dragon Lee Ishimori and in uh, in, uh, uh, who was it? Dragon Lee Ishimori and uh, Bandito. 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 Yeah. No, that, that shit was, was great. That was a sprint. That, that, that's what I'm saying. All the that, way. That was a hundred. If, if some of these other matches were running a four hundred, that shit was running a hundred. They went like, all the way. I enjoyed that better than Walter and Pete Dunne, and, and y'all know how hype I was about that match. I enjoyed that triple threat more than that, and more than the uh, the Riddle and Velveteen Dream match. None of these matches are bad. No. I'm just saying, they're not classics. They're not near classics. Um, but yeah, I felt like overall, even the, the, the tag match, which I wasn't so sure about, um, War Machine against uh, Ricochet and, and uh, Alistair Black, I thought that was great. Um, there wasn't really a bad match on the show. Even the women's get a match. rating? Like, one, Meltzer has me blocked. So I'm doing all this rankings, like, <laughs> secondhand. Yeah, I don't know how I got blocked by him. Wow. I went on a, a pretty good year-long anti-Meltzer rant, though. There you go. So, I mean, shit happens. 
Okay. Oh. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, like I, I didn't even think the women's match. I, like I thought that was good. Uh, I thought it was, that was a fun match. Like I don't think anything was weak on this takeover. I thought it was a really good takeover. No, I, I think so too. Um, man, they they never miss. I, no. I was only surprised to see Shayna retain. Yeah, it's uh, Shayna I, retaining is is. I think everybody was like, "What?" Like. It feels like she's ran a course, but maybe not. But like the women, the women's division in the WWE is in a very weird place right now. Like it's, I guess it's top heavy because it feels like everybody else is getting ignored. And it kind of, it felt like Baszler would be in a good spot to be in, you know, to be moved up right now. But apparently not. She's still the champ. I didn't, I didn't get, that was weird booking to me. That was the one booking that didn't make sense. I still think she should move up. Especially in like the superstar shakeup, I, I always thought if you're gonna move her up, move her up Kevin Owens style, yeah. where she has the belt for a while to establish her as a badass, like she has the NXT belt, and you have her drop it whenever is next. But she comes up to really have a good feud. You know, and the weird part about all this is I don't think Shayna Baszler's that good, but you put her in a spot where she has nothing else to do. So that that's my issue with it because it's like. I think Baszler still has work to do. She's still kind of green. Like, her in the Bianca Belair match kind of showed you that mm, she's not quite there yet. But you put her in a position where she's been a champ for a while, so it only makes sense that you move her to make room for, like, Io Shirai. Like, I thought Io was going to win that match, but whatever. She didn't. But all, all that to say, TakeOver does it again. NXT just, they just don't miss. They just, I, it's become like PWG light because if you look at it, what was once developmental, the only guy, the only people that they've really been developing are Bianca Belair, Shayna Baszler, uh, Velveteen Dream. That's uh, it, right? Yeah. Everybody else has come from everybody else. Do you count side? Evolve? Because I mean, they honestly, they've taken Gargano and Chamba to new levels. Well, I mean, Gargano was in PWG as well. So no, I, was, I know, but he was Johnny Wrestling, and everything, but they they've elevated those characters. They they didn't do it from the ground up. But what they built Tommaso Ciampa into, like, no one saw that. No one, it, no one can say they saw that coming. No, and Ciampa was great, even when he was in ROH. But, yeah, you're right. They, they've taken some of these guys to, to bigger and better heights. But it's just, it's just not really developmental anymore. It's just you come in, you're like, well, expect these matches to be good. Because look at what they've done in the past. You know, you see an Adam Cole, and you're like, I've seen what he did in the past. I know where we can go. I know I'm going to get a good match out of this. Not because they're developing. It's because they're good, and they were killing it on the indie scene. So it's like it, NXT continues to be a show where they just they focus on good wrestling and not bullshit stories. So I'm happy about that. No, yeah. Um, we'll see if the main roster can follow suit sooner or later. You have ideas on how to make that better when we get to Mania here in a second. Uh, New Japan ROH show, we had a couple good matches. I feel like the final four were really good. Uh, the thing I want to focus on is next year when they do this, because there's no reason not to go to Tampa, right? No, they have to. I don't need ROH to be combined with it. I don't. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm okay if ROH runs their own show on a different day. New Japan, y'all got this. Because I, I loved every New Japan match on this card. And some of the crossover matches were cool, like uh, the tag team, Girl is a Destiny. I mean, dude, Cobb and Osprey was Cobb, fantastic. Cobb and Osprey, like there was good 
matches on this card, crossover-wise. But I don't need ROH. There's some some real ROH cheesy moments. <laughs> well, I mean, let's let's Bully keep it Ray, like all that everything shit. everything that was built on ROH sucked. Dalton Castle squash match. I get it. I didn't need it. I mean, like, I get it because you're trying to reboot the Castle character. Fine with it. No problem with it. But Bully Ray Street Fight sucked. The Lifeblood thing, that sucked. Um, The ladder match, I know, like, look, I I don't like Matt Taven. Um, I kind (laughs) of get why they did it. I don't like Taven. The fact that we got here from Taven kicking out of everything that Jay Lethal had a month ago, and now he's a champ, just doesn't feel like the right guy, right? And if you have Skrull... For however long you have them, use them. Yeah, like, I don't know. Maybe he has the title somewhere else, but I felt like this was the right place to do it. But whatever. But everything that was ROH just kind of sucked. And now, it looks like they have Enzo and Big Cass. I mean, they brought, they brought like, the beautiful people, and they added Mandy <laughs> Leone to it. And that was, like, that was pointless. It's like, what are we doing? But Enzo and Cass? Enzo and Cass? I forgot about that. The brawl. The staged brawl. They tried um, to do it, at, suit. it was terrible. At Wale Mania... They said, or Kaz, or excuse me, not Kaz, uh, but Enzo was like, I'm retired. Right. I'm focused on my music. Working us. And then, yep, next thing you know, and you know what? I'll give it to him. It was a good work. Because I didn't know what was happening. Twitter didn't know what was happening. We thought they honestly just got the shit kicked out of him. And then it took like an hour or two to figure out that, yeah, it was working. And it looks like they're bringing him in. It just seems like a very... TNA style move, not the new impact, like old school TNA style move, you know, like cheap yeah. heat. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem ROH to me, who for so long focused on developing the next big stars, but now it seems as though they're just doing whatever, grasping at stars. And they have some stars, but uh, I mean, Roosh is probably gonna be a star. Congrats getting him before WWE did. Right, but outside of that, a lot of these young guys are going to the PC. Uh, Brit British guys are going to NXT UK. They're not coming over to the ROHs, and if not, you're going to Japan and going to the dojo. So ROH is in a very weird spot, and AEW hasn't even start started rolling yet. I I don't know where ROH falls in the next two or three years. And, and the weird thing is that they, they've made these signs like Bandito Roosh. PCO, like, who took a ridiculous powerbomb out of the ring and then sat up like The Undertaker. That was bananas. PCO um, 58. Yeah, he's, he's insane. We interviewed him a while back. He's absolutely nuts. And, like, he's a <laughs> Quebecer. Like, those who don't know, he was part of the Quebecers in WWF. Yeah, PCO stands for whatever the long-ass name he had. Though. Pierre Carl Ule. Like, <laughs> there you go. I mean, good good God. But it's like, you have guys, and then you're just kind of pushing the wrong ones. But Enzo and Cash just feels like a horrible addition. They're not good workers. They, they're not. So I don't, They'll I can't get see, eyeballs. I, like, I can't see an Enzo and Cash versus... The Briscoe brothers being mildly entertaining. I feel like that's bullshit. Like, they have to have a stipulation. I don't know what you got to have, but I, I don't care. Like, but aside from that, and then, then it kind of sucked because people were still wondering what happened. And then you had the Tanahashi Zack Sabre Jr. match, and you were kind of like taken out of that match because of that bullshit that just happened. So, like, I still haven't rewatched it because I, I remember the final stretch because Zack Sabre Jr. stretched the shit out of Tanahashi at the end of that. But I don't remember much of the match because I was texting trying to figure out what the hell was going on. But New Japan, I mean, Okada taking the title off of Jay White kind of surprised me. But, I, you know, after I guess you couldn't do Taven and Jay White. It was a burnt Madison Square Garden down. <laughs> um, 
But I, I don't know, man. Like, I get it. It's like, all right, you know, this is good to get Jay White, the title, like put Okada because he's obviously the hero here. But why do we put the title on Jay White in the first place? I don't, that was weird to me. Really weird. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess you had just lost Kenny Omega and you were just like, all right, what's next, you know? So you tried to establish a, a new guy and I, I get it. It didn't hurt him per se. I just don't know how much it added to him at this moment. And the the continuous hot potato continues. Yeah, it's weird. Like, New Japan is the first time since 1989, 30 years ago, that we, they've had two champions that were unsuccessful in defending their titles. Off of their, ever. Tanahashi's first title defense, he lost to Jay White. Jay White's first title defense, he lost to Okada. First time it's ever happened. And it's all because, like, I know it's all because Kenny Omega left. They were like, what are we doing? And it just feels weird. I don't know. I feel like Jay White is the type of guy who should have a longer tenure with the title, but it should have built up to that point. They put it on him really fast, and they took it off him really fast. So I don't really don't know. I guess, as always, we got to try to trust Gato's book and then take it from there. But overall, Ring of Honor, the New Japan show, it's a great show. Another great show. With minus the ROH, it would have been a fantastic show if we got the Ring of Honor shit out of here. But we didn't. We got stuck with it. Yeah. So, I mean... That was New Japan, ROH. And then Bret Hart, in the midst of this, gets tackled at mm. the by a random-ass guy at the Hall of Fame. And then, like, ten wrestlers just end up whooping this guy's ass. Including Dawson from the Revival. Damn shame they had to drop the belts. You gotta throw that man a bone. He caught the <laughs> best one-hitter-quitter sneak shot ever. He was mad calm, chilling, chilling. Boom, hold this uppercut. Completely floored the dude. Uh, yeah. Travis Brown got some ground and pound in. I think I saw Davey Boy Smith in there. It was some wild shit, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, come on, man. What do you, Again, it, it, that was like real life Twitter. Yeah. Why are you attacking Bret Hart? What do you hope to accomplish by doing this right now? <laughs> An ass whooping and some charges. Because no one else is getting charged. Nah. Attacking Bret Hart. And I feel like he was just trying to hug him. What was the point? I I don't. Again, it was like Twitter. It's like, why are you in my mentions right now? Yeah. Unfortunately, this was real life Twitter. You get your ass whooped. You jumped in my mentions (laughs) in real life, you get fucked up. But on social media, you get away with it. But this guy, I don't know what he was trying to accomplish. But he got dragged for it. That's what he gets. Damn right. And then um, then we have Mania, right? So what do we have? 15 matches? Yeah, we, I mean, there's no reason to go through all of them. No, uh, yeah, no, real quick. Pre-show, all about giving the belts to people who are from New York. Yeah, whatever. So that's cool. People are saying Sasha Banks attempted to quit WWE because she lost the title. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I can see her being upset. She didn't go on Wendy Williams. But outside of that, I don't think she's quitting anything. She makes a good amount of money. When you start looking at what women make outside of the WWE, you kind of reevaluate your life. She yeah. has a signature shoe. She does a lot of other shit. She's probably just upset and emotional, whatever. She wanted to be tag team champ. Uh, I got to ask her a question as part of her Foot Locker reveal. She said she hopes to carry the belt for a long time and establish them. Boom, they dropped the belts the next night to the Iconics. I thought that was a good decision. I love the Iconics. I mean, I like the Iconics, too. I just I like the idea of a heel tag team. I can understand Sasha's frustration if this is true, though, because the question becomes, where does Sasha go? Because it's like, 
like I said, the women's division is in a very strange place right now. Because now we wow, I'm like I'm watching like an indie show from this week and some crazy shit just happened. Sorry guys. Um <laughs> but it's like it's very it's it's become top heavy. And then if you're Sasha and you're sitting at home and then you know you go in the right writer's room and they're like, Yeah, so uh we're gonna go with Lacey Evans versus Becky Lynch. Yeah, I'm like, I'm quitting. Like, what the what, come on? Like, what am I doing here? Like <laughs> Sasha should be, you know, she's not going to carry the tag titles. She's not going to chase. Like, she needs to be in a singles program. So I get the frustration, but I think putting the titles on the Iconics was the right move. They're not going to carry it forever, but I feel like they can be the edge of Christian of this. They just got to work on their ring work because yeah. their ring work is not clean. No, they have some, like, cool tag team moves. But when you start, like, trying to get psychology and stuff, yeah, it's not there yet. But they're a legit tag team, which I love. Like, they're not, there's no separate entities. It's not Sasha and Bailey. You know? No. And you have to, at some point, establish someone else. And when you looked right. up, it was just Sasha and Bailey. And they had to bring in Beth Phoenix from nowhere. <laughs> yeah, whatever. To, to have a match. You know, like, to have some type of established star power in this match outside of those two. So let someone else have it and chase it. There's nothing nothing wrong with that. Um, I'm kind of tired of the, the crybaby antics. You know what? Fuck it. If you want to leave, leave. And Sasha's I mean, still my girl. Like, cool, you know, Sasha Banks will be Bay forever. But there's other companies. Like, I hate the, oh, my God, this person's leaving just because AEW's around now. Like, guess what? There was always ROH. Yeah, there it was, was the always, new narrative. Yeah, there was always New Japan. People could always go somewhere. But now it's like, oh, well, she's she starting to leave. Why? Because AEW's there? Cool, then go there. Like, yeah. the grass isn't always greener. Only so many people can go to somewhere else. It's just I mean, the nature of the beast. It's true, man. But I think you know people try to piece things together. They see AEW exists and they think that everybody's going there. But who the hell said? And now I'm not talking about Sasha in particular. But who the hell said AEW wants all these WWE castoffs? Maybe yeah. they don't. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I mean, we don't know. But you know, we'll see what happens. So let's talk about Mania. We get to the main card. Seth Rollins opens the show, um, essentially squashing Brock Lesnar once the bell rings. Hits him with a low blow. Was it three curb stops and yeah. pins him? Two minutes thirty seconds. I was totally fine with this. Like, Perfect. Yeah. Let, let Brock. I, Brock has to go back to training. Brock looks great. He yeah, looks like two hundred and seventy pound Brock. He's still gonna lose, but who cares? Like, no, of course he's gonna lose. Yeah. I but, mean, but I mean, what the fuck? What happens if he wins? Like the guy's got. He's a big ass dude. I think Cormier knocks him out, but yeah, he can lay on Cormier for a round or two, maybe. God, if he if he were to beat Cormier, there's a massive lose. size difference. I mean, I'm just saying, the UFC is just like, why do we even have ratings? Because what's the point? No, fuck it. <laughs> but you're just printing money. Because then you got Ngannou versus Brock. You got John Jones versus Brock. You got a rematch if you want. Again. Best case scenario, ratings? Brock Lesnar wins. And Jeez. you just hope he doesn't pop for a test. Well, um, yeah, which yeah. we'll talk about later. And then uh, AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. I totally forgot this match even happened. That's how long this card I, was. When I rewatched it, I thought it was a good match. You rewatched it? Not me. Yeah, I rewatched that shit. Well, I was at the airport for quite some time. Gotcha. Um, and my flight had Wi-Fi, so I was enjoying it. I, I often I don't often fly JetBlue, so I felt I spoiled. Free Wi-Fi? I'm in it. So I rewatched it and uh, got I fast forwarded through some stuff. I just couldn't do it. But AJ Styles Randy Orton was actually a pretty good match, and. Yeah. I, I thought AJ Styles going over is something I didn't expect. I thought Randy Orton was going to win. 
I'm totally like again. I'm fine with it. It's just weird because like I looked at it and I was like, man, that happened. That's how long WrestleMania was. But anyway. Yep. And then uh, the Usos retained their titles. Cool, fun. fun match. Uh, Shane versus Miz, which got one and three quarter stars <laughs> from Meltzer. Yeah, see, I don't think it was that bad. Me right? either. I thought it was cool for, and, and it had the stipulation, and you knew Shane was gonna throw himself off of something. I thought it was cool. Yeah, like I, I think this was a totally fine, serviceable match. Um, if you didn't like it, okay, I'm fine with that. But one star, no, nah, I don't think it was that bad. Um, and Shane won, which I guess we we're gonna have to deal with this narrative a, a bit longer. Whatever. I mean, look. The fact that Miz is such a babyface on his damn reality show, fine. I can I can deal with him being a babyface here. This match was cool. It, it worked. Whatever. Yeah, no, it, I thought it was all right for what it was. We talked about the Iconics. Um, and it brings us to Kofi Kingston. 23-minute match. Almost yeah. the longest match on the card. <laughs> Almost. Almost. <laughs> Almost. And I was captivated throughout. Good Good wrestling, technical wrestling to open it up. We had the near falls later in the match. Uh, for a second, everyone says, but we knew Kofi was going to win. No, you didn't. Not really. They could have Booker T'd him. Yep. They're, they had a hep belt. When you get a custom belt, usually you're in for some shit. You're in for a long run. And we didn't know which way they are going to go with this program. And to me, Kofi winning, it brings everything just full circle and... It was amazing, man. Like you said earlier to start the show, this the reactions from everyone. WWE did the right thing, and for that, I gotta applaud them. Absolutely, and it, it was it was a it was a great match. I mean, it wasn't like the classic classic, but it was it was a great match. And it, um, there I I was gonna save it to the end of the time about WrestleMania, but if I had one complaint about WrestleMania, is that it a lot of these matches lack drama in in a very weird way. Um, there weren't a lot of near falls in some of these matches. And I think it, it wasn't it didn't take away from Kofi and Daniel Bryan, but I thought like, you know, we had extended um uh LaBelle Lockhold that, you know, we was worried about Kofi tapping out. I thought when Kofi hit the first trouble in paradise, we're getting a kick out. I was a little surprised that Daniel went down from it. Um, but it, it became a theme, like I guess I don't know if you're protecting finishers. I don't know what we were, we were doing, but it felt like a lot of these matches just didn't have a whole lot of drama. But this match was fine. Like this match, I was happy with it. I was happy with it. I was happy with the finish. Whatever. If Daniel Bryan would have won, I would be a lot more critical. So there. No, I, I agree. So I, I thought it was the right thing to do. Then Samoa Joe comes out and wins in one minute. I'm fine with this. I know people were like, ah, I deserve longer. Look, man, there's 16 matches on this card. Not everything, like, I'm perfectly fine with Samoa Joe. And of all the people, I'm perfectly fine with Samoa Joe squashing somebody. And if it's Ray because of an injury, I don't care. I don't care if he's fully healthy. Let's establish Joe as a monster. Now, as long as he doesn't lose the title at Money in the Bank or wherever the hell they put him next, then I'd have a problem with that. But establish him as a monster. He's great. No, I I agree. So um, Joe should hold this title for the foreseeable future. Yep. And then it's great because the more people he dominates, you get a guy like Mustafa Ali, who if he can finally overcome and beat Joe, that's an amazing moment, you know? Yeah. So you got to you gotta build Joe up as the heel, in a true heel, and let him win a little bit to build some, to bring someone else in. Um, maybe he'll go against a raving lunatic that has a buzzard in a box. Or he's going to face Braun Strowman. 
Oh, they did tease that this week. Mm-hmm. Good. Choke Strowman's ass out, too. We need that. While we're at it. Uh, then we have Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. This is when WrestleMania started losing momentum. Yeah. This was, this was the exact moment when I felt like... And I feel was... bad for Roman Reigns. But he yeah. took the air out the building. Dog. This, like, this match and the next two matches, and maybe even the Balor match, even though we got the cool demon entrance, this is the moment when I was like, shit, WrestleMania's feeling long. Because if it would have ended at Kofi, I went home happy. But no, we had these matches, and this Roman Reigns-Drew McIntyre match was only 10 minutes, but it sure as hell felt like one of the longest matches on the card. And nobody cared. That's weird. Yeah, I... It wasn't the, oh, my God, welcome back, Roman. Mm-mm. We missed you response. He damn near got booed by half the people. It, dude, people, it, you already had a long show, but then you had a match that just kind of got thrown together. Again, and there's two people, like, Drew could work, and we know that. But, man, I don't know what was wrong here. It just, there was, nobody cared. Nobody cared. I didn't care. Like, I was looking at my phone trying to get a signal. I just stopped caring. So, yeah. So, yeah. what else do we have? And then oh, we go come to on, man. The, next the, lo- match. the longest match of the evening. No holds barred. Whoever makes it successfully into the ring without tripping wins. <laughs> Triple H versus Batista. Batista almost busts his ass. When we were watching live, I didn't really notice it, right? I didn't either. Because I was watching everything else. You know, It's a grand spectacle. I was watching the entrance ramp, looking for Trip's entrance about to start. Guess Batista, when I watched back, he busts his ass. You couldn't get up the stairs. You could barely get into the ring. This, this, like, I know there's some people that enjoyed this match. I didn't. Who, and who thought it should be 25 minutes? Why couldn't this be 10? I, I don't know, man. Like, I don't, I don't understand why this match needed to be this long. And then this is when I say, yeah, you really want Triple H to have the main roster? You're going to get matches like this. 25 minutes was wholly unnecessary. I mean, some people deserve 25 minutes straight. NXT talent deserves 25 minutes. Trips, old man trips versus nah. a Batista who hasn't wrestled in three years does not deserve 25 minutes. I mean, and it, dude, not the longest match on the card. Again, this was the second moment when I was like, ooh, started looking at my, my watch, and I was like, yo, this is long. We're still here. So, didn't care. I, you know, Triple H won, don't care. I, like, I just didn't care about this match. Like, the little nose ring spot, all right, that was cool. But then everything else was just like geriatric pro wrestling because it was like, damn, y'all wearing the pants? Y'all moving so slow. They were moving so slow. Nothing felt like it was very impactful. So whatever. Yeah, no. It, to say they were past their prime it's would, it would be very courteous to what we saw in the ring. So that really um, kind of took the air out of the place a little bit. Uh, we also had the return of Thugonomics Cena. That was fun. That was great. My argument, though, yeah, my argument, though, is why didn't we get this for the next match? That's where my biggest problem lies. Like, I was like, oh, man, Thugonomics and, you know, great, John Cena. Then the next match is Baron Corbin and Kurt Angle. Could we not have gotten, like, Thugonomics, John Cena versus Kurt Angle in this final match? Why couldn't we get that? I don't understand. Because they wanted to put Baron Corbin over. That's the only thing that makes sense, right? Like, I, I don't know. I don't I don't know what this does for Corbin. People still didn't like him. No, and nobody's ever going to like him. And it's not the, and it's the wrong kind of heat. It's get it out of my face. It's what they used to call the Xbox, Xbox heat. Nobody cares about Baron Corbin. He can't work. 
His character sucks. He doesn't have a great look. None of this was good. I, it was completely pointless. I mean, Kurt Angle just wrestled AJ Styles, Rey Mysterio, Samoa Joe. Baron Corbin is your last match? Mm, bad decision. And again, this was the point where I was like, yo, I need WrestleMania to end because this is getting long. No, definitely. And But then the demon came out, and I felt better about myself because I saw I- a demon entrance. You know, but this was like the greatest demon entrance. And I hate to poop one of the demon because I love the demon. But he came from the sky. Yeah, we've seen better Finn Balor entrances. And it was just, it was weird because I was kind of taken out of the match because, not because of the demon entrance, because it was the story behind it. I just, I wasn't too sure about what the hell, why we were getting the demon. Because it wasn't like, you know, he was crushing you know, like Bobby Lashley was crushing Finn Balor where we needed the demon. And then we had the match, and then we didn't get any Leo Rush interference. I was really confused by that. Why is he there? Yeah, like, that's Leo's, his only job. Yeah, like you're suppo- you're a manager. You're supposed to interfere with the high supercharged demon. And that didn't happen. So don't don't understand that one either. Didn't make any sense. No, and then Finn wins in four minutes. So Yeah, whatever. And then the main event, Becky versus Ronda versus Charlotte. Um, the entrances felt grand. It felt like a main event. And the match itself wasn't bad. The finish just seemed a little bit quick and odd. Dog, this, who booked this? Like, you had... The match wasn't bad, though. Like, no, but, but the finish was. Yeah. The finish, like, if you go and say, all right, it was like, dude, Becky won by a roll-up on an undefeated Ronda Rousey in the main event of WrestleMania. The only time a roll-up is tolerable in a great match was when Ricky Steamboat small packaged the Macho Man of WrestleMania 3. In no circumstance should we end a WrestleMania on a roll-up. And they flopped roll-up at that. There this is the match that should have had the, the false finishes, the sprint. It, I don't... I, dog... The match was fine up until this point, and then it just ended. And that was weird to me. Because we have worked all this time generating heat. We, they have talked about the armbar versus armbar. Like, I thought we'd get an extended armbar set with Becky and Ronda flipping armbar. Like, there were so many things that I felt like they missed in the, at the end of this match. The match was fine, but the, the ending was flat. And, yeah, we're going to remember Becky two belts holding up two titles. But nobody's going to be like, yo, that finish was crazy. Like... This man, I felt this. The moment was still good. The finish was just odd. Um, It appears Ronda is kind of banged up and hurt, so it's like, uh, all right, like I I get it. Maybe they just wanted to get out of there, and she couldn't take the pain anymore. I don't know. But even if that's the case, throw her out and let Becky and Charlotte finish the match, which would be the smart thing. Yeah. See, but this is why. Like, there's two things. There's two trains of thought here. One, this is why it should have never been a triple threat, because we should have always just had Becky and Ronda. But two, this is kind of why I see why they put Charlotte in the match, but it didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen. Charlotte's the ring general. She was the one that kept kind of things going. When Ronda needed a breather, you know, you, you could toss out the ring and Charlotte and Becky could work. Like, Charlotte is the workhorse in this match. She's the general. She could call the spots. But if the the idea is... That Ronda hurt, you know, broke her hand is what the rumors are saying, and was injured, and they needed to finish the match. But then that's why you have Charlotte there to finish the match, for Becky to put her in the disarmor and get the tap. 
or something. But this roll-up, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. It really took that. Because a lot of people were like, yay? It wasn't like when, you know, we have to bring up the he who shall not be spoken, when Chris Benoit <laughs> had the crossface on Triple H and roll, that was there was so much intensity and tension that went into that particular moment until that tap out was elicited. That's what the people remember. Like Triple H struggling with Benoit. Wouldn't it have been nice to see a similar spot with Becky using her finisher? She didn't even really use her finisher in this match. It, it was a weird, weird, weird way to end WrestleMania. Yeah, I have to agree. Like, it's just, the whole thing was tapping someone out. They all have submission finishers. Right. You could have went with Ronda in the armbar passing out. Anything. Would have kept her strong as hell. But a, like a surprise roll up, just it just wasn't the move. Wasn't the move. But all in all, before so we can move on to everything else, I thought WrestleMania was good. Uh, some people are like this is the greatest WrestleMania of all time. Nope. No. It still stands with seventeen, and there are other WrestleManias that are better than this one. Yeah, but it was solid it, though. It wasn't yeah, bad. No, it, was, it was not bad. I I agree. This wasn't San Fran though. Like San Fran's mania. Watching that back, probably the best best of the past ten years. Yeah, 30-31 were really good. Yeah. Um, Daniel Bryan win the title, and 31 Seth was... Seth cashing in. Yeah, Seth, and I mean... It, Seth Orton was a great match to kick it off. We had the ladder match for the yeah. IC title. That was fucking nuts. Uh, Bray Wyatt had a meaningful match, which shows you how long ago that was. I think Rusev came out in a tank. Yeah, that was a Rusev. Like, 31 was... Man, and I was there. That was a lot of fun. This was good, though. I'm never. I'm not gonna say this was a bad WrestleMania. If you would have shaved off, probably the Reigns, Triple H, and Baron Corbin, Kurt Angle matches. If you would have got rid of those, how about you, you just know, don't put them back to back to back? Yeah, I mean the pacing <laughs> was bad. Too many. It's too many matches. Sixteen matches. Yeah. It's just too many matches. We were ready for it to ramp up at the end, and they killed the momentum. Yeah, it took the air out of the building. It's, it, it was the opposite of a yeah. New Japan show. Start off slow with those matches, and then yeah, let's ramp it up at that. I would have been fine, honestly. If they went Kofi, Daniel Bryan, Brock squash match, and then the main event. Back yeah, to back I, to back. New Japan style. Like, that would have been fun. Because you, you know you were in for something. You're like, oh, shit, it's time to wake up. Let's go. The ROH card was kind of a little slow. Yeah. And the last three came up. I was like, nope. Well, hold on. It's time for me to take my seat, enjoy my beer, because shit's about to go down. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, WWE needs to change that. NXT has that going for it, too. It always ramps up. That's how these cards need to be on the main roster. One change that should be happening. Um, let's switch gears. Talk about MMA. Wait, real quick, real quick. Uh, these were the two of the most disappointing post-Mania Raws and SmackDowns I've ever seen. Yeah, they called everyone up beforehand. What do you want, yeah. a Ricochet debut? Oh, he's no. there already. No, I just feel like... You've, but you've, you've, that's the problem. Like You created this atmosphere where these shows are supposed to be big. And you ended Raw with a tag match. That was ridiculous. And then, like, you did the same thing on SmackDown. And there was they, nothing felt on either of those shows big. You, like, debuted Lars, and people were like, so? It was like, it just, it didn't, like, there was no, like, I mean, you could have had a big heel turn. You could have had something. Like, maybe you could have ended, and because they did this off-air was weird, Maybe you could have really ended with a true Dean Ambrose send-off. I don't know, but it just didn't feel like there was anything meaningful that happened on either show. Yeah. And that's odd. You spend, like, that's the, the hottest ticket. I'm glad I flew back early. 
I'm glad I missed them because it was nothing special. No, yeah, I'm glad I didn't stay for that. And I was watching that on the plane as well, on the, on the little JetBlue television, which was cool. And just kind of in and out of it, though. So, yeah, I wasn't captivated by that or SmackDown. We'll see if they were just saving stuff for the Superstar shakeup. Yeah. We'll see who goes where and see if we actually get call-ups and surprises and returning talent during these two shakeup days. So maybe, you know what, they just have to move the shakeup to the Raw after Mania. In a SmackDown yeah. after Mania and just do the shakeup back-to-back to make it worth something. Because right now it's just lame duck when, you know, the shakeup's next week and all this shit goes out the window. Can't even create feuds. No. Because people are moving. So, yeah, it just made them both lame duck shows. Um, UFC, though, TJ Dillashaw. Pops for EPO. It's rap. Because yeah. it's something where you don't take it accidentally. You can't John Jones your way out of this one. You got to inject it. It's going full program status with a sticky in the butt with the needle. And it's hard to look at it and say, you know what? I, at first, I was giving him benefit of the doubt. Maybe it's just a supplement for weight cutting. No. Nope. finally pop. But no, it, it looks as though, you know, the, the weight cutting revealed something that was probably a habit for a long time if you look at Cody Garbrandt who was in Team Alpha Male and called him out on this shit last year. Substance by name called him out about it and you know when you cut a lot of weight or you cut a lot of water weight and there's less blood you know less fluid in your blood and you're just whole fucking everything your veins and everything they just contract and then you take tests off of those and yes, stuff that could be minute and you usually flush out of your system to make sure you don't pop is there. And now you're getting traces of this in your test. Then they go back and they do a second test, which is ridiculous that they don't test for this shit off rip and find that, you know what, he was cheating. Yeah. Look, I know we gave John Jones a lot of crap, but this is egregious and this should be handled way worse than anything that John Jones ever did because this is something that he went out his way to do and he made a lot of money doing it mm-hmm. because before the Hannon Burrell fight people are like Dillashaw's just a guy then he'd be Hannon Burrell twice and people are like oh he's for real but he was using the entire time you can't mm-hmm. believe they did because all of his knockouts came late yeah. and EPO is something that really helps with their cardio down the stretch so and the recovery all- the ability to take some shots Cody Garbrandt hit him with the kitchen sink at times. Yeah. And the recovery time was impeccable. So, of all the failed drug tests, people talk about Chael Sonnen, people talk about, you know, Cheetah, Vitor, but TJ Dillashaw is probably the worst example because he was the champ. And he, he attempted to get another title. He's almost the champ champ. Yeah, as an abuser. And it's like, yo... I gave TJ so much credit, and I'm like, yo, this is disgusting. Now, the bigger issue is what you kind of just mentioned. What's the point of doing pre-fight drug testing if you don't find out the test until after? It's like doing a security search after you get off the plane. Like, oh, man, he, he got on the plane with the bomb. Oh, we found it after he got off the plane. Lucky he didn't blow the plane up. But in this case, TJ kind of did blow the plane up because he won the title using it. Yeah. So what's the point of doing the drug test? If you're not going to expedite the results of whatever you have to do, to save these fighters, because, again, you have to remember that health is on the line. And TJ's been winning fights off of this, whatever masking agents he's been using. But, damn, man, like, how can y'all not figure this out before if he's been using this long? Because Cody did call it out. And that's crazy. If a fighter recognizes it, 
maybe Usada should say, hmm, we should probably be trying to bit a spotlight on this guy. <laughs> yeah, or let's at least test for it. Right. God damn, man. Like, this was this is a tragedy of epic proportions. It delegitimizes everything that's been going on. Guys like Dominic Cruz, like, yeah, like that whole division. I mean, yeah, fortunately, we have a lot of contenders there, but TJ made a lot of money as a cheater. That's crazy. Yeah, and, man, you, you look at... Cody at one point it was like, yo, you told everyone here how to do it. So it's like, who else in Team Alpha Male is doing shit like this? It, it's just it's wild to see and and makes you wonder, like, yeah, how prevalent is cheating still? Clearly, it has to be pretty damn prevalent. Yeah, when you're when your champions or champions are popping, it's probably not the best. You only know what God knows what the contenders are doing to get to that level. Exactly. So uh, UFC 236, we don't have to touch on the whole card. I'd rather recap it because there's some good fights lower on the card. Um, one thing I did want to touch on, Beanie Siegel's fighting? No, man. There's a guy named Dwight Clark and somebody's wise ass to call him Beanie Siegel. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at this shit. I was like, yo, why the fuck is this listed as Beanie Siegel? That's what happens when you let people just use the internet for whatever. I love that. Uh, no, but that shit had me in tears. And I started listening to nothing but beans. And I almost came on the podcast like, it's the Mac, bitch. Just, just wilding out, get real Philly on the on the podcast today. But no, nah, there's some good fights. But it's really about the co-main and the main event uh, this weekend. We have the style bender, Adesanya versus Kelvin Gastelum for the interim title that I called a couple months ago. And now is fight week. It is here. One thing I want to see is, you know, I want Gaslam to make weight. Obviously, uh, he really has a problem at this division making weight. But just just in case, I don't need anything fucking fucking up on the scales. And then inside the octagon, it's a huge test for it is for uh, Adesanya really early, in my opinion. Yeah, but I think he's got the goods. And the interesting thing is, if you, I don't know if anybody's like really looked at this fight and looked at these two guys and their physical attributes, Adesanya's got like five inches on Gaslam and like five inches in reach, and he's a striker. This could be a nightmare matchup for Kelvin Gaslam. If he can't get in close, he's done. He's getting his head knocked clean off. If he, does, if he gets cute at any moment in the fight, it was like, yo, I'll stand in trade with you. He's going to sleep. But that's he's what got- he does a lot now, right? Like, Yeah. He has to go back to the Gaslam that somehow – Upset, uh, what's his face on the Ultimate Fighter? Uh, Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall. He has to go back to that strategy where he just really grinded on him, made dirty boxing, took his ass down. But I'm not sure if he's doing that anymore. He's kind of loves his hands now. See, I, yeah, that's and that's my problem, and that's why I'm picking out Sonya to win. I know it's a big test for him, but I'm never really been sold on Kelvin Gaston. Like I think he's won fights, you know, but he's, he's won like close fights with Jacare. Um, beating Uriah Hall, but we've kind of found out who Uriah Hall was. Adesanya is a much more poised Uriah Hall. And the worst thing that Kelvin Gaston's camp could do is take anything away from the Anderson Silva fight. Because that guy's not showing up. This is going to be a killer on Saturday night. It's not going to be the guy that's going to respect you, and he's in there with his idol. I think Adesanya is coming to kill him. So the only way Gaston wins, and he, he, this is a very winnable fight for him, but he has to close the distance very quick. Because Adesanya, he controls range very well. And I don't know if, if Gaslam can take these punches and kicks. 
It's going to be I'm, interesting because there's five rounds out, of them. Yeah, I'm picking Adesanya. I, I don't think it goes the distance. I don't. I don't. If, if Adesanya is going to lose, it's because Gaston is going to wear his ass out on the ground. If Adesanya is going to win, it's because he's going to knock him out. I don't see this going 25 minutes. No, it's this is going to be an amazing fight. I like both styles and how they play towards each other. So I can't wait to see how that turns out. Um, and then the main event, we have Max Holloway versus Dustin Poirier. Max trying to become a champ champ in his own right. Um, and at first, this fight didn't make too much sense to me. But then obviously, Tony Ferguson went through what Tony Ferguson went through. And then we have Khabib and Conor both suspended. So I'm like, cool. Let's see. Let's see what it's about. And Max kind of has cleaned out his entire division. So let's yeah. do it. Yeah, I mean, it's a rematch. It's two guys that fought six years ago. They're nowhere near the guys that they once were. No, they are completely different fighters now. So it's like going to be a completely different fight. And, and I've always said like Dustin Poirier would be a champion, but he just did dumb shit. Like, you know, getting caught in the war wars with Conor McGregor and he got choked out by Chan Sun Jung and got knocked out by Michael Jackson, Johnson when it felt like he was close. Now he feels like a little bit of a reformed fighter. He beat Justin Gagey. So it's like, this is a tough, this is a tough test for Max. But then again, this is Max Holloway. This is a guy who people thought was going to have a, his hands full with Brian Ortega and he just ran his ass over. I'm picking Max. But I think it's going to be a fun fight while it lasts. Yeah, I'm that picking might... Max by knockout. I, I I appreciate what Poirier is and what he's grown to be, and he's a really, really good fighter. I don't think he's on Max level. I don't think he's still on the elite of the elites level. Like, yeah, he caught Gaethje. Like, cool. Justin leaves himself open. Um, Eddie Alvarez, I think, might have gotten him twice if it wasn't for technicalities. And him just being stupid and throwing illegal shit. So I, I don't I don't know about Poirier. I think Max wears his ass out. Yeah, I mean the only thing is is if if Max has any difficulty with the weight, but I I don't think so. Max is five foot eleven. Like I was about to say, gonna, he's just he's big. Yeah, he's fill, he's just gonna fill out. So yeah, I'm picking Max, man. Like I, I think this is going to be a great fight. I think it's going to be a fun fight, but so is the Ortega fight. We saw what happened there. So was the Jose Aldo fights. We saw what happened there. Yep. Max, like, you have to gain Max's respect. And I don't know where this chin came from, but Max, he takes, look, man, he took Aldo's stuff. Like, he's taking everybody's best. You throw the kitchen sink at him, he's going to keep coming. So Poirier's going to get real cute and find a way to, to choke him out, take him down, do something. Otherwise, the, the runaway train knows that Max Holloway is going to walk him down to finish him. No, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Poirier is probably not even top three toughest challenges of Max's career as far as opponents. No. Max Max has been through some fucking really tough competition. So I have confidence in him winning this. I think it's going to be entertaining, but I expect Max to be a champ champ. If he's not, I'm, I'm really, really surprised yep. at the end of this. Um and then we have boxing, only real fight to touch on this weekend, Lomachenko. I mean, look, Anthony Crowell is a guy that I think is like a 60-1 underdog. Nobody expects him to win. The only thing to watch for in this fight, which is Friday night, um, the other fight on Saturday, which I'll touch on briefly, is uh, Clarissa Shields and Christina Hammer to figure out who the best fighter in the world and the women is, which is actually a really good fight. But it's really all about where Lomachenko sits on the pound-for-pound list. If Lomachenko shows that he has any difficulty with Krola, 
and next week Terrence Crawford goes and just runs roughshod over Amir Khan, this is all we're fighting for. Pound for pound rankings. Yeah. None of none of these fights, like Khan doesn't have a shot in hell. Uh, Crowley doesn't have a shot in hell. And for a lot of people, Terrence Crawford and Lomachenko are number one, number two pound for pound guys. So there it is. Like, if the weird thing is, it almost doesn't matter what either of them do. If Canelo beats Danny Jacobs on May 4th, Canelo's probably the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. Very possible. Yep. So it's like, oh, you're really just fighting for status. You're really, like, it's like, you know, it's, the, it's like the beat the clock challenge in the WWE. That's what this is. That's, that's all it is. Oh, if, if uh, Loma gets curled out of there and like three rounds looks brilliant doing it, we're just going to be looking at Crawford like, can you do it faster? But Crawford has much stiffer competition. <laughs> no, he does. In this he next does, fight, all, so that's that's unfair. He does, but 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 that's the thing. Like, if Crawford is able to blitz Amir Khan, and he looks better doing it than than Lomachenko, because Lomachenko needs to look spectacular against Krola. I'm not talking about just winning the fight. I'm not even talking about just a regular knockout. I'm talking about like some Roy Jones, like something ridiculous where people go, oh. That's what he needs to do. If Lomachenko does anything less than that, people don't care. Yeah. And, yes, Crawford does have a tougher challenge with Amir Khan, but nobody sees Amir Khan as a guy who's going to beat Crawford. Like, the only person who sees it and he's lying is Bob Arum. It's not really competition for him. So that's all we're looking at. But, yeah, I think Lomachenko's going to run rough shot over. The other thing is Christina Hammer and Clarissa Shields, women's title. Um, oh, big yeah, fight. I can't skip over that. That's going to be one hell of a fight. And... Yeah. Shields, for the first time, I think, physically might be overmatched. So she's really going to have to use some other tools. It, it's, going to be, it's going to be an interesting fight. My, a problem with women's boxing, and I say it on Twitter, every time I watch women fight, can we please get rid of two-minute rounds? These women deserve more. Give them three-minute rounds. I don't want to see it. This is a 20-minute fight. Ten rounds, two, two minutes apiece. That's not – I don't need that. I need – Ten to, I need 12 rounds, three minutes. Yeah. I, I'm quite sure both Clarissa Shields and Christina Hammer are all for it. But uh, I'm going to pick I'm gonna pick Clarissa Shields because I just – she's an Olympic boxer. I think she knows what to do. And I, I don't think she's going in there to knock her out like she tries with everybody else and just runs out of time. I think she's going to have to fight. Yeah, she's, she's going to have to fight smart. Yeah, and if she does so, I think she wins this fight. I'm not going to say pretty handily. I think she's going to have some bumps along the way. But Clarissa Shields wins the fight. Um, and then we can talk about how great she is next week. No, I, I agree. I'll pick her to win. Um, but again, she can't leave herself to get caught. Can't get caught up in the motions of things. So we'll see how that plays out for her. Dre, two hours, man. We're back. Yeah. yeah and uh, it, was, it was a good show. Uh, thank all you guys for listening. As always, we appreciate it. Uh, working on some big things. I feel like I say this every show, but they're finally kind of coming to fruition. And we'll be getting some of that info out to you guys shortly. If you guys are on Patreon, make sure you check out our recap video from WrestleMania weekend. So that was fun. It has some of the visuals to what we were talking about today. Again, as always, follow the podcast on social media at The Corner LSN. Me at Kel Dansby. Him at Andreas Hale. We appreciate you all. Until next week, though, we're out. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.